0: Hey, hon, what, what are you working on there? I was
1: taking a picture of our marriage.
0: Our marriage? Yeah. Me too.
1: Wait. That's our marriage?
0: Yeah. What's wrong with it? Well, I don't
1: think it looks like mine, but <laughs> okay.
0: Well, I mean, yours doesn't look like mine either.
1: Hmm.
0: How are we going to make this work? Because we're supposed to be painting this picture that's supposed to come together and it's going to be all kinds of crazy. Um, I'll tell you what. How about I work on your painting and you work on my painting? Hmm.
1: <laughs> I don't know about
0: that. Uh, well, here, let me, I, I just, I'll just fix this right here. Let me,
1: but let me. that's how, well, now it doesn't look right.
0: What do you mean it doesn't look right? It looks perfect to me. Well,
1: what if I just came over here and did that
0: to you? But I worked so hard on that. There is no way that I can fix that now you know, I don't, I don't think this is going to work. I think we just need to give up and yeah. not even try because this is crazy. I can't, this is not going to fit together. This isn't going to work. I don't, I don't think this is going to work.
1: It needs to be perfect.
0: It does need to be perfect, but it's just not going to work. I think we just need to, just need to give up. <laughs> you know, in our marriages, we come to those points where we just don't feel like it's ever going to work out. Like we've tried everything that we can in our own power, and our own strength, and there's something that just doesn't seem to work. We can't get past one another. We can't get past the feeling of having to control each other. Marriage is very tough. All of you who are married know this. Marriage is very difficult. It's, it's a... Giving up of oneself. See, I I put something out on Facebook a couple weeks ago, and I said, hey, what's the number one thing that causes marriage to, to, to drift? I got a lot of responses, and they're all good, but every one of those responses stemmed from one thing. The one thing that really causes any relationship to drift is this. Selfishness. Selfishness. You never realize how selfish you are until you get married. And then you realize, I'm pretty selfish. And then when you think you get it all figured out, you have children. And there's a whole nother level of selfishness you got to get rid of. Selfishness is a problem. Selfishness cannot live in a marriage. Anytime that you put yourself as the key factor in your marriage, it's not going to last. It's not going to work out because you're always wanting for yourself. See, the problem with, with people in marriage is they think that this person is going to complete me. They think that this person is going to meet all of my needs, they're going to give me what I need, but but they're not going to give that to you. They're incapable of giving you all that you need. They don't have the power within them to do that. In fact, that person, if they try to meet all of your needs the way that you think they need to be met, they're going to be wore out. They're going to be tired. They're going to give up because it's impossible for them to meet every need in your life. Come on, you can't even meet your own needs. How do you expect someone else to do that? As long as there is a me, like it's all about me in a marriage, there can never be a we in marriage. I talk to people all the time and when I counsel them in marriage counseling and every time they're sitting on one end of the couch, the other one's sitting on the other end of the couch and they're just doing this the whole time. If they changed, if they didn't do this, if they wouldn't do that, if they just listened to what I had to say, and the other person was like, well, if he changes and he stopped doing this and he stopped doing that, it's always this. But until the marriage gets to the point where they can do this, nothing's going to change. The biggest problem in our marriages is selfishness. James chapter 4 says this, what's causing quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. Are you jealous? Oh, yeah, it's like are you, you, you scheme and you kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and you wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And when, even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong You want only what you want, so it will give you pleasure. When you ask for something, you don't get it because your motives are wrong. You know how many times that I've had a fight with my wife, and I go to God, and I'm like, God, you need to fix this woman because she is driving me crazy, (laughs) right? You need to change her attitude. But you know what? God never did. Why? Because my motives are wrong. It was about me about what I wanted. It wasn't until I realized that I can't complain to God about my wife and expect him to change her without me changing. When I change, guess what? She changes. Why? Because my perception changes. When I changed, my marriage changed. Why? Because it was no longer about what she needed to do or how she needed to be fixed or what she wasn't doing right. It was, Lord, what, what do I need? What do I need to change? What in my life needs to be better for her? See, a lot of times we come to our spouse and we're wanting something from them. We're wanting something from my wife, something from your husband. You're wanting something from them. We should approach marriage like this What do I want for them? What do I want for my wife? You know what I want for my wife? I want her to be happy. I want her to be fulfilled. I want her to feel like she she means the world to me. I want her to feel like a good mother. I want her to to know that she's loved and she's cared for. I want her, her needs met. When we can get past ourselves and want something for our spouses instead of from our spouses, that's when the marriage starts to flourish. I'm going to show you this painting at the end. Some of you have seen it before that have been here a long time. This painting is a perfect example of our struggle in marriage. You see, in our marriage, it wasn't always great. And I'm not standing up here as the pastor saying, our marriage is is perfect. It is by no means perfect. We still argue. We still get on each other's nerves. You know, we still do. We still, there's still things that we're working on. But I'm telling you, when when we went to this in 2015, we went to painting with a twist, and we painted this picture together. And it was supposed to come together and be like a a picture of our unity, a picture of our marriage. And during that whole process, we fought. We bickered. Because I'm a free spirit kind of guy. You've seen the big brush. That's kind of how I was painting. I was like just big broad strokes and, you know, just doing what she's, I'm looking at the example the lady's doing and And my wife's over there meticulously making sure everything's perfect. And she was so enthralled in what she was doing. When she looked over at my painting, she's like, what are you doing? That's not what the lady's doing. I'm like, well, it's my picture. I have to express myself. It's my picture. I can do what I want. And and then so I try to fix it. I try to adjust it. I'm like, okay, oh, my goodness, I messed up. So I go back and I start... Like blacking everything out again, and so it was just getting a bit, and there was so much, too much oil on a painting. Just kind of, you know, gets really bad and messy. It was getting messy. It was wet. I couldn't fix anything, and so we're like, it was a break. and I'm thank God this is over. We can go home and get done with this. <laughs> and you know, we we sat back after that break in between while we're letting the paintings dry a little bit, the backdrops dry, and we said, you know, this was supposed to be a whole lot more fun than I thought. And we went to Sonic, and we got some food, and everything was better. (laughs) That's not one of our anchors today, but it should be. You know, never argue on an empty stomach. But, you know, we went to Sonic, got a drink, got a little something to eat, and we calmed down, and we said, you know what, we're going to make the best out of this. And we came together, and we painted this picture. Now, my side doesn't look near as good as her side, I mean, but... It looks great to me because I painted it. But they come together beautifully because we sat down and we took the time to work it out. We sat down and said, you know what? We're two different people with two different personalities, with two different ways of doing things, but that doesn't mean we can't make something beautiful together. And that's what marriage is. It's two people with two different viewpoints, two different ways of doing things, two different ways of seeing life coming together to create this masterpiece that God has designed in your life. The biggest thing that will break a marriage apart is comparison. See, our eyes start to look at other people's marriages or other people's relationships, and we say, man, if my marriage just looked like that, or if If my wife just loved me like that or she hugged me like that or she spoke to me like that or if my husband did this for me. See, the problem we have is we compare our marriages with other people's marriages. That is horrible. That's a bad thing to do. That is something that that you, that's the worst thing you can do. Why? Because God has created your marriage to be unique. God has created your marriage to look different than everybody else's marriage because you're different. Your marriage is beautiful. It's your own personal masterpiece. We were in this class with with probably 50, 60 other couples and our picture looked different than everybody else's picture. Their picture looked different even though it was like the same similarities, the same colors, the same the same picture we were painting, they all looked different. We have to get past ourselves and say, "You know what? Our marriage is unique." and I'm going to make the best out of it that I can because I'm going to learn to be unselfish with myself. Like I said, there can, be we, there can be no we in a relationship if it's only me. It's until we look at ourselves and the internal side of ourselves and we start to change ourselves, that's when life changes. That's when we can get past our selfishness. Come on, in our marriage, we're selfish, and we need to learn how to get past ourselves and stop wanting things from people and start wanting things for the people we love. And so I'm going to give you four simple anchors today that's going to help anchor you in your relationship. And these four anchors are really going to help get past yourself. They're going to help you uh, stop being so selfish and start thinking more about your spouse. So uh, if you have notes, you can take notes. Uh, Statistics say that people who take notes go to heaven, so <laughs> if you take notes, it's good. If not, you can just take a picture, um, and so we're going to give you four anchors to help you with your marriage. Now, if you're not married today, don't check out, write these down, uh, because one day you may get married, and if you do, these will, you already have these things in place, and you'll save yourself a lot of trouble, okay? Don't, you want to be us. You want to go through all this stuff. And so you'll, you'll come in armed and ready, all right? So the first anchor is this. I will date my spouse weekly and plan weekends without underscore or without blank away regularly. I will date my spouse weekly and plan weekends, supposed to be just planned, plan weekends without, without my cell phone, without my children, without my dog, right? Without... The things that distract me from my spouse. I'm going to plan date weeks, weekends, and weeks with my spouse regularly. I'm going to put them on the calendar and I'm going to plan them out and I'm not going to let nothing come between that time between me and my spouse. I'm telling you, there's nothing more important than spending time with your spouse. And I'm saying this from experience. I'm, I'm going to say a lot today. It's like, don't do this. We did this. It's bad. Don't do that. Okay. We went to a marriage encounter weekend. Now, if you've never gone to a marriage encounter weekend, I would implore you to go. It's an amazing, amazing weekend. But it was a marriage encounter weekend. It's where you go and learn just how bad of a husband you are. And, and so and just how bad of a wife you are. And, and so it's, 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 but it's really good. But you go to Marriage Encounter weekend, and we're sitting in that, we're having lunch with a couple, and they're like, oh, we we go to these all the time, and and they said, well, is it your first time? I said, yeah, it's our first time. They said, well, we we really try to do something together as a couple, you know, at least once a month, and they said, well, when's the last time you guys actually got together and, and did something together as a couple, and we looked at each other like, it's been almost 10 years, And we never got away. Not one weekend with just me and her. Why? Because our marriage had become about our kids. Our marriage had become about our jobs. Our marriage had become about everything else. And you know what? If I had time for my wife, I was going to make time for it when everything else was taken care of. And the problem was, when we went to that encounter weekend, we didn't know each other. Like we knew each other, but we didn't really know each other. We didn't really know who we were, what our fears were, what our anxieties were, the things that really were standing in the way of our marriage. The Song of Solomon says this, My lover said to me, Rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. Guys, if you say this, they're going to get up. All right? Come away, my darling. Look, the winter is past and the rains are gone. The flowers are springing up. The season of singing birds has come and the cooing of turtle doves fills the air. The fig trees are forming young fruit and the fragrant grapevines are blossoming. Rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. In the Song of Solomon, these two lovers are talking about getting away together. Let's go experience life. There is spring happening. There's flowers blooming. There's uh, there's birds cooing. There's grapevines blossoming. You can taste the fruit of the grapevines. You know we need to get away so we can experience fully our spouses. Experience them physically, mentally, emotionally, uh, spiritually. We need to learn to experience our spouses. We rediscovered one another when we went to this marriage encounter weekend. You have to get away to kind of rediscover and reorient yourself to your spouse. The biggest mistake you can make as a married couple is make your marriage about your children. Why? Because guess what? I love my kids. They are amazing. I love my kids, but they're not always going to be in my life. They're going to be there, but they're not going to be in my house. My wife will always be in my life. She will be the constant thing. And if I fail in my responsibility to take time and make that time with my spouse and connect with her, I fail as a husband and I fail my commitment to her when I said those vows. That for better or for worse, for richer or for poor, the sickness and health. I fail to spend time with her. I felt to cherish my wife. You have to make time. You have to take time. You can't make any time. You have to take it. You got you to put it on the calendar. Say, honey, this weekend we're getting away. Nothing's going to stop us, not hell or high water or anything. We're going to go. Put it on the calendar. Make sure it happens. Number two, I will pray with and for my spouse daily. There is nothing more powerful than praying for your spouse. Nothing, nothing, nothing more intimate than praying for your spouse. When my wife prays for me, man, I feel like I can conquer anything. There's nothing more powerful. Sunday mornings, my wife will often pray with me before I come up and speak. And what she's doing is she's just speaking life over me. She's asking God to be with me. She is armoring me up and getting me ready for the battle ahead. You know, every day is a battle. Every day is tough. Every day is is an adventure for us. And we need each other to armor each other up, to build one another up so that we can conquer the day. Ephesians 6.10 talks about this armor of God. And I want to put it in this way. A final word, Paul says, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, in spite of all this, because of all this, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy. In the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will stand, be still standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as a helmet, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. And all times, stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Your wife is a believer. Pray for them. If they're not a believer, still pray for them. Pray for all believers everywhere. We have a responsibility to armor each other up to help them. You know, I, I love like uh, medieval time movies and books and things like that. One of my favorite is The Last Samurai with Tom Cruise. I don't know if you like, my, my wife is not a big Tom Cruise fan, but, uh, but I love the movie because like at the end when they're all going to battle, you see, you see this, uh, the camera pan to all these men getting suited up and putting on their armor and their wives are tightening up their armor, getting them ready, you know, putting the sword in, shining it up and, and putting the helmet on. They're getting their men ready to go die. they're they're getting their men ready to go battle. And that's what I feel like when my wife prays for me. She's like tying up my armor. She's getting me prepared for battle. And that's what I see myself doing for her when I I wake up in the morning and we pray in the morning. Not not every day is like big, long, exuberant prayers. A lot of times like, God, you know what we need today. Just be with us. Amen. We're running out the door. But we make it a habit to pray for one another, we have to pray for one another, guys. If you just prayed for your wife, so much would shift. So much would shift. Ephesians five twenty five says this for husbands. This means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the what? The cleansing of God's word. Men, do you do you? And I'm, I'm picking on the men because I'm a man. But do you cleanse your wife with your words? Do you wash over her with God's word? You know, our wives pick up a lot of dirt. Our, lives, well, our wives can pick up, our spouses can pick up a lot of things throughout the day. What people say to them, what, what, what's happened to them, the, the struggles of life, the anxieties of life. They carry all this stuff with them. Your spouse carries all that back home. You have a responsibility as a married couple to wash each other with the words of God. But I think so often, I, I know I'm guilty. My words were not there to build her up. My words were there to knock her down even more so than she was already knocked down. Pastor Jimmy Evans uses this example because he, 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 he does a lot of marriage stuff. Jimmy Evans said that he noticed that when he read this, he's like, I'm not cleansing my wife with my words. I'm knocking her down like a fire hose. You know, you've seen the movies where they got the fire hose and they're swinging around and they're knocking everybody down with it. He was doing that with his words. And I think so often we can do that with our words towards our spouse. Instead of washing them off and making them pure and radiant, we're knocking them down. We're beating them up or roughing them up with our words. Our words need to be good. Our words need to build up my wife, my husband, not tear them down. What are you saying to your spouse? And more importantly, how are you saying it to your spouse? You know, I love you, or I love you. How are you saying it? Are you really saying it deep from within you? You got to pray with your spouse daily. Number three, I will see every request from my spouse as an opportunity to express. My love. I will see every opportunity and, and request from my wife, and from my husband, as an opportunity to express my love. You're not just taking out the trash, you are serving your spouse. You're not just making lunch or dinner or cleaning the house, you are serving your spouse. Every opportunity. And I'm saying this as a conviction to myself because sometimes be, I'm just being real. She'll ask me to do stuff. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> Women, you know the look, uh, right? It's like, oh, I don't want to do that. But I'm learning slowly. We've been married for 27 years in July. And, and I'm learning slowly. I'm slow. I'm slow. <laughs> I'm learning. Romans 12 says this love each other with genuine affection, take delight in honoring each other, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically, rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, keep on praying, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them, always be eager to practice hospitality, that doesn't stop at everybody else, like, I mean, that doesn't stop at your wife. So often we'll read this and go, oh, that applies to everybody, but my wife, I'm not going to give her what she needs, or my husband doesn't need, I'm not going to give him what he needs. If they're in need, meet the need. Be ready to help. Always be eager to practice hospitality towards your spouse. I love uh, the English Standard Version. It says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. If I, if I serve my wife, I am honoring her. If she serves me, she is honoring me. We have to honor our spouses. Uh, I'm friends with a, with a marriage counselor, and he said this. He tells me some of his stories because, you know, we can confide in each other. And uh, he said, you know, I have one client. He said, you know, I don't, I don't take out the trash. I don't, it's not my job. I don't do the housework. A man's not supposed to do laundry. That's her job. That's a woman's work. (laughs) Some of you are like, man, I hope you don't say that. but Yeah, you know, men don't clean the house. That's a woman's work. You know, I'm outside. I'm cleaning. By golly, that's woman's work. And uh, they're having these marriage issues. And he tells us like, you know what? If she leaves you, guess who's got to do the laundry? Guess who's got to clean the house? Guess who's got to take the trash out? Your mama ain't going to come do that for you. So, you know, would you rather be married and have to do that stuff or be all alone and do all that stuff? We have to learn to serve. We have to learn to serve. Why? Because it's an act of submission. It's an act of humility. It's saying, I'm putting my needs below your needs. I'm going to come under you and I'm going to serve you. Why? Because I love you. You mean that much to me that I'm going to give up myself for your needs. Jesus was a servant to his disciples. Jesus washed his disciples' feet, even the ones that hate him. He even washed Judas' feet. Do you think about that? Even knowing that Judas was going to betray him. But he still served the people that hated him. That's an example for us To serve everyone, to put, to humble ourselves and serve. It doesn't matter if your spouse is nice to you or not, that's irrelevant. We're still called to serve our spouses because that's what Jesus did. It's serving where I become less and they become more. Nothing's going to break that. Nothing will break your selfishness more than serving. If you serve someone, it's the less selfish thing that you can do with the proper motives. All right. Number four. I will choose to see the good of my spouse to minimize the failures. I will choose to see the good of my spouse despite how I am feeling at the moment. But I... uh, I'm not going to see... There's nothing good there. I'm looking... I'm really looking, you know, I'm looking behind. There's, there's nothing good in my spouse. Come on, why'd you marry him? There's gotta be something. There's gotta be something good. I, I tell this to all the premarital counseling that I do. I tell this to them. I'm like, you know, there's gonna be times in your relationship that you're gonna look at this, your spouse and you're gonna hate them. You're gonna be angry with them. You're gonna wanna walk out. You don't wanna deal with them because you see nothing good in them at that moment. Here's an exercise that you can do, and I'm going to give this to you. Here's an exercise that, you, that will make a huge difference in those moments. You go home while you're in a good mood, not while, not while you're fighting. You go home when you're fed and slept and all that good stuff, right? When you're, when you're rested, and you write out a list of all the good qualities of your spouse. And you write them down, and you look at them, and you hold them up to God and you say, God, thank you for my spouse. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my husband. God, they're good people. Lord, help me to see the good in them. Philippians 4 8 says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable about your spouse. What's right and pure about your spouse, what's lovely and admirable about your spouse. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise for your spouse. And I love the way the message puts this, uh, the way that Eugene Peterson wrote this. He goes, summing it up, all friends, uh, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. The best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you've heard and saw and realized. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. He is creating a masterpiece through you. When you learn to focus on all of the good. Christian, if you can come up. You see, this painting represents, here's mine. Not bad, right? Mine, not bad. It's just a missing half. But when my wife painted her half, and you're going to be like, wow, hers is so much better, but it's all good. When my wife painted her half, we painted like this, right? And we didn't know if they, the heart was going to line up right, we were worried about it. But when we joined them together and really looked at them, because we weren't allowed to like join them together halfway in between. These don't match up right, but it does line up. There we go. It's a heart. It's a little crooked, but it hangs on our wall right above our bed. And it does fit, see, Perfectly. this painting is like a picture of your marriage you're both working on it, you're working on yourselves but you come together and create something beautiful your marriage is unique it's beautiful but you gotta get past yourself, you gotta get past the selfish ambition and say you know what, we're making something together I'm not just trying to fulfill something within myself We're working on this together. God is creating something out of both of us. God is doing a miracle in our lives. But it takes both of you letting go of how you wanna do it, letting go of your own brush, and letting God paint the picture. Because our relationship, man, I'm telling you, we were on the brink of divorce. through his mercy. Or can we stand here today married, stronger, not perfect, stronger, learned through a lot of heartache. But here we are, only through God and what he painted. Let God be the master artist in your life today. Maybe he won't use such a big brush. every misplaced brushstroke, guys, every wrong color that you paint, God can bring it all together. He can use it, and he can create something beautiful. So don't think that your marriage is too far gone. Don't think that it's done. Just allow the master artist to paint his picture. Give him control. Let him do when To take communion here in a minute. But I'm going to challenge, honey, if you want to come up. I'm going to challenge you married couples today. And if you're watching online, you can do this too. If your spouses are not here with you, then I'm going to challenge you with something else. And if you're not married, I'm going to give you something else to bring them. But we're going to put one of these things into practice right now. So if you have your spouse with you, what I'd like you to do is just take their hand. And I'm going to scare a lot of you right now. You're going to be terrified. Because some of you have never prayed with your spouse. And don't feel like you have to pray in tongues or anything like that. I'm, I'm joking. Okay. But just, or pray anything profound, because that may, may happen. But just pray for them. Bless them with your words. And it may be, God, thank you for my smoking hot wife. Amen. Hey, if that's all you can get out, that's all you get out. It's something. Yeah, I'm in trouble now. <laughs> but tell them just really just pour your heart out and pray for them. And then wives, pray for your husband after. Like lift them up. Thank God for them. Just what do you feel like God is saying? Just just pray. If your your spouse is not here, just pray for your spouse now while we do this. And then get home and say, Pastor, said you have to pray with me. I'll scare them. And then if you're single today, just please pray for the married couples that they would be all that God called them to be. They would be strong. That they would set a good example for you. That way, one day, if you decide to get married, You'll know what a good marriage looks like. You'll know what a godly marriage looks like. And there's a difference between a godly marriage and a regular marriage. So would y'all do that? So we're going to take a few minutes and we're going to pray and then we're going to take communion together. Together. So if you don't have one, please raise your hand, and we'll get you a communion element if you don't have one. Ephesians 5 21 says this. It's Paul's letter to the church, and it reminds husbands and wives how to treat one another. And he says, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ that mutual submission out of our heart towards Christ, out of reverence for Jesus. And then he opens this up to understand, so we can understand it more. And he says, For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of the wife, of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church, as as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands... This means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed with the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies, for a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. Marriage is the closest thing on this side of heaven to our relationship with Jesus. It's a covenant. He signed it by the blood. And he asks us as believers to take communion together as often as we get together. So we remember this covenant that he's made with us. The bread is symbolic of his body that was broken for us, that we may be made whole. He was beaten for us, that we may be made whole. And the cup is a symbol of that covenant, that new covenant that says that we are not saved by our, by our good works. They were not saved by how good we are. We we are only saved by Christ's work on the cross. His blood is the only thing that redeems us. And we do this together to remember that we are united together with Jesus Christ. Just as a marriage is united together, the two become one, the church becomes one with Jesus Christ. That's what Paul was saying. That we are to submit to our Lord and Savior that we are to understand his love for us and we are to love him. He gave his life up for us so that we may live. And so we're gonna pray over a communion and we're gonna take it together. So let's go ahead and stand while we take it. We're gonna pray over the elements and we're gonna take them together. Father God, I thank you for your son Jesus Christ who died for us, who took our place, that his body was beaten and broken in our place, that by his wounds we are healed, by his stripes we are healed, God. Our iniquities are removed from us, that he took all of our disease and pain and shame on himself. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us enough to die for us. And Lord, I pray right now, Lord, as we take this communion, as we take this bread that we remember price that you paid for us. And Lord, I pray for those that are sick right now, God, that as they take this, God, that you would heal their bodies, heal their spirits, heal their hearts, heal marriages, because you are the healer. And we thank you for that. Let's go take the breath. Jesus, we thank you for the cup. The covenant that was made to that we are saved by your grace and grace alone, that on the cross you bled for us and by your blood we are purified, we are clean and we are able to come to God and have fellowship with the Father through your sacrifice. That we no longer have to try and work our way to the Father but the door has been opened to us because of you. Lord, I thank you for the covenant. I thank you for the cup. Lord, let us never take it without thinking about the price that was paid for it. Lord, let us know that we are joined to you through this covenant and let our marriages be a reflection of your covenant with us. That our our spouses don't have to earn our approval. They don't have to earn their way to our good graces. That we love them and we honor them and we serve them despite they treat us. Hey God, we thank you for your son that was given for us. That we may come to you. And Lord, I pray for those right now who do not know you. Lord Jesus, that they would come to know you. That they would understand your love for them and your grace for them. Lord, there may be people in here today, God, watching online that don't know you. And Lord, I pray that they would give their life to you, Jesus, and understand that you love them, you've called them, and your love for them is so great that no matter what they've gone through, no matter what they've done, God, there's nothing that will separate your love for them. And they just simply have to come to you, Jesus, and allow you to cleanse them. And God, I pray for them right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Father, I pray right now that you would just continue to speak to these married couples, that you'd speak to people in here, that that you'd remind them how great your love is for them. Lord, that you begin to heal marriages, begin to strengthen couples right now. Father, there may be some in here that are on the verge of divorce or maybe in the process. And Lord, I pray that you would do a miracle and what God has joined together Let nothing separate, not man, not the powers of hell. Let nothing separate what God has joined together. God, you designed marriage. You created it. And God, I know that you keep it. And we surrender it all to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now today, there may be some of you in here that never experienced this love of Jesus, you, this is like new to you. Or maybe you've known for a while, but you just really haven't got it. My life didn't shift until I got it. My love for my spouse didn't change until I knew the love of Christ. I, I didn't understand what true love was until I understood the love of Jesus. And, and today, maybe you need to know the love of Jesus. Maybe you need to come to him and allow him to save you and to make you right with the Father. And and so today I'm going to challenge you. If that's you today, I just want you to lift your hand up. Nobody's going to look at you. Just lift your hand up. I want to pray with you. I'm not going to call you out or call you up. I'm just going to pray with you. Anybody in the building? Anybody online? Father, I thank you, God, for what you've done in here today. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to share the love of Christ with these people. God, I thank you for what you're going to do and all you've done. God, we love you. We honor you. Father, show us your love every day. Remind us of your love. Grow us in your love. God, help us in our marriages to be strong, to take the time for our spouse, to speak life over them, to pray with them, Father, and to serve them. Help us, Lord, to be a good example to the world around us, to show them what it looks like to have a godly marriage. In Jesus' name.